Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello everyone, it's Twiggy here and I'm back for a new season of my podcast. I'm very excited. I'm looking out of my window and the Buds are coming out on the the trees and um, blossom. There's some pink blossom I can see. It's amazing. So we thought it would be a nice time to start the series as the spring is arriving upon us. And my first guest, I'm very excited about this. He's a really lovely man, a very clever man. He is Charles, the ninth Earl Spencer. And he has also started a podcast that he's going to tell me all about. And also we're going to talk about his beautiful house, Althorpe in Northamptonshire. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to chatting to him. Charles, hello. How are you? I'm really well, Twiggy. What fun. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, thank you for coming on. Now, it's been a very exciting week for you, hasn't it? Because you've got a new podcast. I know. I wasn't copying you. I think the, the world <laughs> yes, you needed were. another yes, you were. podcast, yes, you didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I tell you, it's, I, I think it's, it's similar in thought to yours, really, which is a chat with friends. So I'm, I've, I've been a close friend of Richard Coles, the Reverend Richard, who some people might remember for dancing very badly on Strictly. <laughs> um, but he was a local vicar. I live in Northamptonshire. He lived in Northamptonshire. And we hit it off straight away. He's a tremendous fun, really funny, interesting man. And then um, more recently, I started digging up a Roman villa on the estate here. We found uh, a really large Roman villa. And the archaeologist in charge of that dig is this uh, academic with a sense of humour called Dr. Kat Jarman. And the three of us found that we, we talked an enormous amount about stuff. And then we thought, well, we might just try a podcast. And uh, so that's what we do. And it's got, a, it's got a bit of a historical bent to it. But really, it's meant to be fun. It's three, three friends having a chat. And looking into questions that people often ask. Like I, I've started to listen to that because it, it, didn't it start this week or last week? Yes, it did. Yeah. So I've, I've, I'm halfway through the first one. It's fascinating. And you're talking about time zones across the... Amazing stories about the guy in, was it in America who decided because yeah. he missed his yeah. train? <laughs> so this funny. man missed his train because it's amazing for us to think that before the trains came in, you didn't really need to have a uniform time system. So pretty much every town had its own system based on when the sun was over uh, overhead at noon. And so you could have, you know, there were there were thousands in, even in one state in America. Amazing. So anyway, when trains came in, you couldn't be that slap happy, really. And so they brought that in. But the point, I suppose, of the podcast is, it, you know, is, it's, it's, it's called uh, Rabbit Hole Detectors, is, is that we set each other a subject each week. Yeah. And we have to come back and be hopefully interesting about it and, and informative <laughs> and hopefully amusing too. 
and then the others dive in with their own knowledge on the subject. So I think it's a, I think if this fails as a podcast, we'll reform as a pub quiz team and hopefully sweep the board <laughs> because it's, that's what we're probably better at is general listen, knowledge listen, rather than specific. You should do both because with your brains, <laughs> the three of you, you'd be a great, but I wouldn't play against you. <laughs> have you ever done a pub Thanks. quiz? Have you ever done a pub quiz? I have. I was once in a pub quiz a charity one and did terribly because to be honest I mean I there's lots of things I know bits about but then I got huge areas where I'm no good at all like soap operas or uh cars or something I'm not I don't really know about so you know the 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 winning pub quiz team covers every base don't they they do they do absolutely have you done it Twiggy have you done a pub quiz no No. I'd, I'd be I'd be terrible I'd be all right in certain areas You'd bring in the expertise, you would, in in, in niche areas. It'd be brilliant. But I, you know, if it got on to, well, apart from tennis, I'm all right on tennis, but that's the only sport I follow. I love tennis too. I love it. It's just one of those things. I I become obsessed. When when the the, the Opens come up, Lee says, oh, I'm not going to see you now for a few days because I just get obsessed with them. Is it fair to say that when we were younger, the personalities were bigger? I'm not saying the skill was any better, but the person, when we were younger, you know, you had your Jimmy Connors and your... Uh, Mac McEnroe, don't let's forget Mac. <laughs> he was a naughty boy. And yes. who was who was the one with the amazing hair? I can't remember his name. Nastasi, or Nas- yeah, no. Nastasi was one. But they were they were big personality. Mind you, there's a few now. There are. I think they're less household names because also when we were younger, I think there were fewer sports on TV. When you know the BBC doing Wimbledon, which it does very well still. But that was a really major annual event, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And I still, we, we go, when we're invited, we have happily been invited the last couple of years. Well, not through COVID, but, um, mm. and it, you know, it's amazing. But my, yes. at the moment, I follow, my kind of heroes are um, uh, Rafael Nadal and yes. Murray, obviously. And he, yes. isn't he doing amazingly? Well, so brave, oh too, because he's obviously God. in considerable pain, isn't he? But he just keeps going. He's got he's that grit, extra- hasn't he? Absolutely. So I kind of, I, and when we went last to Wimbledon, unfortunately, Nadal was playing and I thought, oh, great. But, you know, we were at centre court because you sit in the Royal Box. Yes. And, yeah. and then I found out he was playing, he was playing in court number one. Like, you couldn't oh, just nip out. Goodness. Well, I said to the lady who was lo- looking after us, um, I can't believe we're missing Nadal. And she said, don't say anything, but I'll... And she took us out and she took us under a tunnel into court one. So I managed to see him play his match. (laughs) Well, you mentioned Murray. I I, I saw one of his very first matches at Wimbledon on a a lesser court. Um, I was there as a guest of Cliff Richard, of all people. And uh, my son Louis and I. Tennis fanatic. He's obsessive, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. And apparently a really good player. He looks very fit still, doesn't he? It's incredible, really. Yeah, I can play, but very, 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 very badly. <laughs> well, I can play. I have quite a big serve, but which which is sort of, you know, some days it works, and then other days it's all a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sipping my le- lemon and ginger tea, are you a tea drinker? Gosh, I love lemon and ginger. I love just ginger, actually. I like I like quite bitey tastes, um, just generally. But in tea, I like that. And I like some of the more sort of 
punishing green teas as well. Oh, Lee likes I, They're a bit bitter for me. I don't like them very They much. are bitter, but I like that. I haven't got a sweet tooth at all, so that works for me. And then if I'm not feeling very well, I like I like some of the, the fruit teas, like strawberry tea or something like that. Oh, you know, have never tried that. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have tried it, but they, it, it works quite well. And I like um, fresh mint tea. I don't like the powdered peppermint tea particularly but the the fresh mint is delicious yeah i'll say fresh also i learned something recently because i'm preparing to do a couple of albums and i have singing lessons and i got a really grungy throat and my singing teacher said if you've got a sage bush which we've got in the country you pick the sage leaf have you did you know this it's really good for your throat it's it's disgusting it's disgusting. Oh, I, I have to say, sage is quite a, a strong it's, one, isn't it? Yeah, and she she said you you know take a chunk of sage leaves like you do with mint, pour boiling water on, let it seep, and then I did it a couple of days, but it is disgusting. And then she said, if you're really up for it, eat the sludgy leaves. But I I couldn't, oh. I couldn't go that far because they are pretty awful. Because ginger's ginger's good for the throat too, isn't ginger, it? Ginger. Um, Turmeric is good for the throat as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get get on through? Because when we last saw each other, you very sweetly, you and Karen invited Lee and I down to your. Yeah, and you must come back. We house. loved having you. We loved having you. You're such lovely guests. Oh, uh, we had the best weekend. Well, we also it was just before COVID, and we well, had. It a- was about two weeks before, if you remember. It was February, wasn't it? Yes, it was. There were just the first rumblings in the press that something was coming down the line, but none of us knew what it was. And um, I remember a friend's mother dying of a very strange pneumonia around that time, Mm. but obviously only in hindsight we know what that was. Oh, my Um, goodness. But no, we must get you back. And I was saying to Karen, you'd asked me on today, and the next thing I'm doing is getting my diary out to pin you two down so you can return. Oh, well, we'd love that. But we did have, I mean... The most amazing weekend because you're now your house or it's it is pronounced Althorpe, correct? Yes. Because I was watching a, a a video a while back on on Althorpe and um the man interviewing you and I can't remember his name. He said that you you can pronounce it another way, Althorpe or you something. You can. It's that's exactly right. It's one of those weird. I think because it's been around for so long. You know, it's a five hundred year old house, etc. It used to be spelt differently. It used to be oh. A-L-T-R-O-P. And so I think it, it, some people locally call it Althorpe and others Althrop. My father called it Althorpe. My grandfather called it Althrop. So, so it really is that interchangeable. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> yes. So yeah. you can, how far can you trace your family back? Is it beyond the house? Yes. So, so we know... We know we were medieval sheep farmers um, wow. in Worcestershire and then Warwickshire in the 13th and 14th century. And then through some fanciful notions, we can get back to 1066 and, and, and coming over William the Conqueror. Oh, my God. So Spencer's a very common name, of course, but uh, there was a man in William the Conqueror's household with the surname of De Spencer, you know, the French version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he was like the Lord Chamberlain to William the Conqueror. So I think when my family were were struggling with being successful sheep farmers, they 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 said they decided they descended from him, but I'm not sure it's true. <laughs> How amazing to be able to! I did a you, you know who do you think you are? I did one of those. Yes, I saw that. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Oh, I loved it. But sadly, my we could only go back to kind of the mid 1800s, and it was quite a sad story. My my it was great great grandmother and things. 
But it must be amazing to be able to go back that far. It is. So up in the local church, yeah, my, my family moved here in 1508 and then they built a tomb for the family up in the local church in, in the village called Brinkton. And if you go there, there are just dozens and dozens of Spencers there. You, you, if you think of those medieval tombs with people lying on their back with their hands in prayer and their wives next to them and their... Oh, it's just so amazing to think that they're all from this, the, the, the same family. And then I, I, I took over here. I inherited really young because my father sadly died quite young. And I remember thinking, goodness, how am I going to make this work? And looking around, walking around the rooms and seeing all these ancestral paintings, they're all looking down on you and you're thinking, oh, goodness, I hope I can keep it all going, really. Um, but you get to know them. As wonderful as it is, to own a house like Walthorpe. And it, it must be such, because of the history, the, the responsibility must be unbelievable. I mean, just looking after a normal house is a responsibility. Mm. So to look after yes. something that goes back to 1500s, is it a yes. bit scary sometimes? It is scary. Luckily, I've always loved history. So mm -hmm. I fell into the right spot, really. And it's I, I never forget what a huge privilege it is. And Particularly, you'll remember um, from when you and Lee were here, but for me, it's not the glory of the house with its, you know, ancestral possessions happening, but sitting in the middle of really unspoiled English countryside and being able to take the dogs for a walk or my, a couple of my daughters ride their ponies. And you just think this is the luckiest gig in the world, really. <laughs> but we love it when we have friends to stay. So about 10 weekends a year, we have friends and family to stay. Uh, obviously family more often, but, you know, with, with a bit of a house uh, house full. And then that you realise that's what the house was for. You know, these houses were built on an enormous scale because the people who were lucky enough to live in them were able to fill them with either friends or people they were trying to impress politically or whatever. And, and think of this, Twiggy, you know, this house, I mean, we run it on modern lines now, but a hundred years ago, I found a list of the people who worked here. It's sixty-five in-house staff, you know, and it's 65? incredible. Sixty-five. Yes, because you had people in the kitchens. They had somebody making the, the, the. There was a baker, a brewer, somebody just making puddings and things like that, and then cleaning the house. You know, Amazing. there weren't any bathrooms, so if somebody wanted a bath, the, the bathtub had to be filled had with hot to be water. Filled. Yeah. Absolutely. And then also fires. The fireplaces were cleaned every morning. It's incredible. It was, a, it, was a, it was a large, well, a small army of people helping to keep the place going. And it employed people in the local area, which also was a good thing because it gave them all work. And otherwise, yes. they probably, you know, the big houses did fill that gap, didn't they, for, for the local residents. And I'm sure there's some happy stories and some... Not not so happy ones in that area. That's true, actually. There was a lot of... People's horizons were much closer, weren't they, in those days? People didn't travel abroad or whatever 100-odd years ago. So you find the same old names in the village tombs going back centuries, and, and they were being connected to this house. In fact, um, George Washington's ancestors worked in Althorpe, uh, some of really? them, and we got the tombs of the Washingtons in the local church as wow, well. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, they fell on hard times. They'd been quite wealthy, and then they fell on hard times, and we put them up in a cottage in the village. It's still called Washington Cottage, and oh. we have the family records of the Washington girls working as nannies here, etc., before they emigrated to America. So what, what, what kind of years would that be? 
uh, that was fifteen uh, early sixteen hundreds, wow. uh, and then they, and then they left after after the civil war in, in England. But and then and then other people, you know, I, I think what happened was we, there was an enormous number of people in the villages who worked on the farms, and they tended to intermarry with the ones who were yeah. working in the house. Well, as you yeah. said, people didn't didn't travel, did they? No. So th- and a big change was just over a hundred years ago was the First World War, and then. You know, people being sent off and seeing terrible things, and yeah. these big houses fell into disrepair or whatever, and, and and had to have a skeleton staff. And to be honest, I think lots of people saw something of the world and thought, "Well, I just don't want to go back to what what I had before. I want to try something different," and that's understandable. You lived in South Africa for a few years, didn't you? Yes. So I, I used to, for about 10 years, I was a uh, a reporter for one of the American networks, NBC. Yeah, that's right. And I was based in Johannesburg for a bit, you know, in, in the bad old days of apartheid. And um, when I was working in Joburg, everyone said, oh, if you, I, I still could feel the magic of South Africa, even though it was going through such terrible times. Yeah. And everyone said, oh, you must, if you like it here, you must go down to the Cape, you know, Cape Town's so beautiful. And then I did a documentary down in Cape Town. And I said to the cameraman, this is so amazing. I've got to bring my family to live here. And he, he laughed politely, thinking I'd gone mad and it would never happen. <laughs> but I don't know about you. When you looked at your school friends growing up, Twiggy, there were different people doing different things that were so interesting. And I remember one of my friends had parents who lived abroad. And so he was based abroad. And I always thought that was incredibly lucky to get a different view of the mm. world. And I had four young children at the time. And I thought, well, here's a gift for them for eternity of living in a completely different culture, not living in a grand house in England, but living, I mean, I have to say still a very lovely life, but in a different part of the world altogether. And so my ex-wife and I were on friendly terms then, and we agreed that that would be a good thing for them to experience. And it I love South Africa. Have you been down there? I have. We used to shoot the, um, when I was doing the stuff for M&S, we used to shoot the the, the summer stuff because it was winter. We had to shoot in January. And so we used to all go down to Cape Town uh, for a week. And um, although it wasn't, I, I was really sh- shocked because although the weather was, it wasn't boiling hot, but it was nice and warm, warmer than England in mm. January. And I, did, we were staying in a beach area. I can't remember what it was called, just outside of Cape Town. and Or maybe it's even a suburb of Cape Town. It's when you go down out of the main city and hit the beach. Camps Bay, probably. That's it, Camps, Camps Bay. Bay. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to go in the sea. It was freezing the sea. Oh, it my God, so it was so cold. It's I was un- so shocked. If you, yeah, if you go sort of two or three miles further around the coast, uh, there are penguins on the beach. I, we went there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's like Boulder's it's like beach. penguin town. <laughs> yes. But they've done it brilliantly because they've built that boardwalk, and That's right. they, the penguins have all got their little houses. It was hysterical, yes. absolutely. But it hysterical. gives you a, it gives you a hint how cold the water's going to be, doesn't yeah, it? It's exactly. just too cold to go well, in. Well, they told told me that you have to go up is it durban you have to go up there where yes. the indian ocean comes in or something that's right then that's it a gets much warm. different thing but then i think you get sharks 
<laughs> you see, you can't win. It is a shark, shark central on that side too. Is it? Yes. Oh so my no. god! Oh, well, I yeah. won't be going in there. <laughs> That's for sure. Going back to 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 Orthorpe, why did um, your ancestors pick Northamptonshire? Was it because they were sheep farmers and that was good land? Yes, around here is really good grazing land. Always has oh, okay. been. And and it's sheep and cattle, and, and that that's why you know Northampton's still the shoe capital of England. Shoes. Everything from yeah churches at the top end to Doc Martens at the bottom. You know that's why uh, I love um, Northampton. I love my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what's fascinating because most English people, I I would I would imagine most English people would struggle to find Northampton on the map, which is fine. But we get endless tourists from. China and Japan who come because of the shoes and they go to the oh, really? the outlets and buy them here it's got it's got a sort of own its own strange little tourist industry based on the shoes but that's anyway that's that's why my family came here and we've gone back to it recently we, we, we've turned the farmland in the last year or two back to organic here and we've got lovely old shorthorn cattle here and we're bringing in uh, heritage sheep range uh, uh, flocks as well and yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I really like the, the beauty of Northamptonshire. So Northampton and the towns here are not famous for their beauty, but the countryside and the villages are very lovely. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, again, when you kindly invited us and we came, it is that that landscape is got. And I remember, haven't you got these amazing deer? I remember the deer. It was yes. very cold when we went for a walk. I remember that. Yes. And there, but then there were the there was like. Oh, I don't know. It looked like hundreds of deer to me. It probably wasn't yes. that many, but no, there are. There we've got these um, black fallow deer, and they've been They're here gorgeous. for nearly five hundred years too. They're beautiful animals, and um, yeah, I love looking at them. I mean, it, the, the 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 sadness is, you know, we have to keep the population under control, and I hate hearing with the marksmen come in and it's just the saddest sound oh, but yeah. if we didn't do that they'd all get diseased and that would be the uh, end of them so we have to yeah. and of course all of the meat is absolutely wonderful and people who enjoy that say it's as good as anything but the, the point being that you know animal husbandry has two sides there's the joy of the animals and then there's the reality too. i know i know no, i'm i'm very aware of that and 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 the other thing that's obviously very very gorgeous in on your land is your beautiful memorial to your lovely sister Diana. Oh well, thank you, Twiggy. I found that so mo- you've done it so beautifully. I mean, I I didn't know her very well, but I was lucky enough to meet her once when Richard Avedon, you know, the photographer, yes, brilliant photographer. They had um, um, an exhibition of his photographs at the National, I think it was at the National Portrait Gallery. That would, that must be, yeah, I think it was. And Diana came as the royal to open it. So it, it was, you know, I got introduced to her because the opening, as you walked in, it was a big blow-up picture he'd done of me in the 60s with my hair flying. Yes. And <laughs> and she very sweetly said, oh, can we have our photo taken under it, which was lovely. And then we ch- we chatted for about 10, 15 minutes. She was so lovely. And so I was very yes. moved when you took us, to show us the memorial and it, you've done it so beautifully it's gorgeous well you're very kind but i must say although although there's not a huge gap between our ages because you were so famous so young you know when diana and i were growing up you were always on you know there's always something about twiggy in the news or whatever so she would have been genuinely thrililled to have met oh, you we did get on we did get on great it was lovely Good. she got she had such a brilliant sense of humor that's the thing I think that was the real thing. You know, the royal family 
before Diana, you know, were doing a, a solid job of responsibility mm. and duty. But I, I remember once going with Diana to a concert for one of her charities. And after it, it was a classical concert. I'm not, I, I don't know a lot of classical music, actually. But it was, a, it was a lovely event. And then afterwards, she went on stage when the public had left to talk to the orchestra. And they loved her. You could just see all of them. Uh, there must have been 80 of them clustered around. And it was rather like children meeting Father Christmas. It was just <laughs> that, the, the look in their eyes. And she was so at ease with them and put them at their ease. It, she just had a, a, a sort of genius for people, I think. Well, also, I think she had a kindness that, you know, came out of her. You knew immediately that, you know, she'd be nice and fun. And exactly. any, anyway, it's beautiful what you've done there. Thank and you. um and I'm sure now you open to the public, don't you? Yes. Is it all year round or? No, my my father when my father died, that you, you, with these big houses and their contents, you do an agreement with the government, oh, and okay. uh, as to how many days would be open. So we, it's a very strange coincidence actually, but we agreed to be open for July and August. So we open on the first of July, which is yeah. Diana's birthday, and we oh. close on thirty first of August, which is the day she died. Oh. Is that a coincidence? Total coincidence. That was agreed five years before she passed away. That yeah. is, it is so strange. But um, and so when people and, and is that daily or is that just weekly? Yeah, every day in those two months. And to be honest, we 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 don't really try and if people come, they're very very welcome. Mm-hmm. But the house is quite. You'll, you'll remember, although the house is um, obviously large, it's actually quite fragile inside and, and we've got these very intricate ceilings etc yeah so if we have too many people on the first floor the ground floor ceilings start to crack so so we, we, oh, we welcome people but we don't go for big numbers at all and and it's a it's very sweet you know because like you're saying people still come from all over the world to pay their respects to diana and that's amazing if you think oh. Oh, it's 25 she, you know she, years she was so loved so so loved but the amazing thing I remember about your that the the I mean like the how what amazed me it is a big big house but when you're inside it it's very co- it's very cozy your house that house yes. isn't it there's a cozy because I've been into lots of big houses and they're a bit austere and cold and they're like museums aren't they they, but, they can be I, and I, I'm a big admirer of National Trust and all those groups but I think. Once a family has moved out, they tend to become museums. I don't think you could stop that, really, because, you know, that's what they are. And I think that when people come around us, there are there are sort of uh, games on the side that the children have been playing with and there's drinks on their drinks cabinet. And, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly <laughs> still used. <laughs> and I'm sure, didn't the little ones used to roller skate? <laughs> Down, that's down. right in fact you've got that amazing dining room that we sat in that's very long isn't yeah. it yeah with a and that that some of the when, when the children i have a, a weekend for my sisters and their children and grandchildren just for christmas each year and um then we have the bouncy castle up in one of the biggest rooms and all that oh, i think you know you've got to make it make it acceptable <laughs> you know when, when i was young we used to come here and my grandfather was a very forbidding figure. You know, he was born in the 1890s and he always wore a three-piece tweed suit with a, do you remember those old watch chains over the front yeah. and all that? And he was terrifying. I'd say, and was he scary, a bit scary? Terrible, terrible. I mean, I, I'm sure he was a lovely man, but we were absolutely scared of him. 
and and locally he was he, he his name was Jack. He was known as Jolly Jack because no one had ever seen him smile. <laughs> and um, so we were always told before coming here, don't oh, touch anything. Brilliant. You mustn't touch anything, and don't speak unless you're spoken to. And the whole thing was terrifying. But that, so I just thought with my kids, you know, absolutely not. We'll make it a that they must feel at home here. And actually, I think it's safer for the objects because if you're more relaxed and uh, it, it, you're, you're going to be just easier and, and, and less likely to have an accident. Although you have got some very valuable things there. I remember some beautiful old pieces of furniture and and paintings. Yes. Uh, the, I had one casualty once, which was a snuff box that belonged to Nelson. Some little <sighs> fingers pulled that down and it smashed on the floor. So that was, but we could get it, we did get it repaired. But that that was a lesson. You can't. It's not fair to leave little tempting objects within range of children or grandchildren types. Well, they, you know, they don't understand. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> it's just something to pick up. <laughs> that was so funny. Now I was I was also watching um, a piece about the house and your lovely wife Karen who's doing amazing things amazing. she's incredible oh but she took us down into the basement this amazing yes. your basement is <laughs> and she was saying she found places and passages that you didn't know were there or something and it's there's true. a toad so- there's a toad down there or something <laughs> really made me laugh she's really got a passion for the house so Ka- Karen and I spent a lot of time backwards and forwards because she she was married before and had children and living in California. So we spent a lot of time going back and forth. And then the deal was once they were of college, university age, we, we would really be based here. And um, she's just thrown herself into this with such, well, knowledge and enthusiasm and she's always finding it. And I, I, this isn't a, a commercial plug in any way because it's entirely free, but there is a site called spencer1508.com where you can see her sort of adventures coming to terms with this and, and meeting the, the toad in the cellar that lives next to some <laughs> abandoned baths. Really made me laugh. Well, toad. it's very human, isn't it? Because yeah. she is a genuine explorer. You know, she's done amazing things on her own. She set up a, a, a charity that's still thriving, helping abandoned and orphaned children in the developing world. You know, she's got a very, she's a busy person naturally and 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 this house and estate's been lucky enough to have her come in so we were talking about how staff changed and and how it all was in the olden days and there used to be there is still a walled garden in in inside the park here which is about seven acres and then there's an orchard next door and it's all nothing's really happened there since the second world war well it is now Karen's got the experts in and we're going to start it up again. We, we've got the records in the British Museum um, of all the old uh, types of apple and pear and wow. even apricots and, uh, that have grown here. And we're going to start again. That is really exciting. Actually, when I watched that bit of film, it's like, do you remember a book when I was a little girl? One of my favourite books was The Secret Garden. Oh, it's the best oh, book. Or maybe it was a girl's yeah. book, but. I love you know, that book. I read that to my daughter, Charlotte, when she was little. She's 10 now, but when she was even smaller. And I think that's the best book we read together. It's just such a beautiful isn't book, it isn't gorgeous? it? Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. And that's what it rem- when When I saw the film about, you know, the, the, the wall and the archways, I thought, oh, my God, it's like the secret garden. 
That's such a good point. And it is. And also, I love the fact. So the actual outer walls, which are about, I don't know, about 15 feet high or something. They're still in amazing nick. Yeah. And they were were put up in the 1730s or something. They're still in good nick. They they knew how to build things, didn't they, back in the day? They certainly did. I think they (laughs) they lost the plot with building probably after the Second World War. Well, I can tell you, you're right. 1930s houses are quite, I mean, I grew up in a, you know, an ordinary 1930s house that my my dad bought in the early 30s. And they're solidly built. But after the war, you get into the, well, the 50s, they probably didn't build much because of the, you know, that everyone was so poor. Yes. And then you got the 60s and we, well, I know what I think of 60s architecture. <laughs> I won't but say it also, on air, but. <laughs> it's not just the style though. It was the actual ability to build well. So the, the wall around the park here it has been there forever, you know, it's hundreds of years. But you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the, the sections we have problems with today are the ones that were patched up maybe in the 50s. They, they just did it so badly. Um, they use really useless concrete, actually, uh, rather than the older materials that they, they used to know how to do it. And yeah, so every time a bit of wall comes down because of frost damage or something, I know it's going to be one that was done in the 50s, and it's true. It's just yeah. the way it is. Now, you're also an author. <laughs> yes. A very yes. good author. And most of your books, apart from, I know you've, you've written about your family and everything, but uh, your other books you've done are very historical about kings, right? Yeah. Charles yeah. and... Um, Charles I, Charles II. Yeah. And, and I why, did one why, about them. Yeah. Have you just, are you, uh, did you go to uni about, did you do history at uni and is that your I kind did. of thing? It's always been my thing ever since I was a little boy and, um, my school, when I was about 10, entered me for some national history prize and all that sort of thing. Okay. I've always had one of those minds that just, I'm, I, do you know, Twiggy, I think rather like you, I'm really interested in people. Uh-huh. And um, to me, I like seeing the similarities between people now and way back. Because we think just because they were wearing some sort of long gown and a armor plating or whatever, that they were different to us, but they're not. And I love going into their letters and and looking at people from hundreds of years ago, they go through the same dramas, the same tragedies, the same love and death and all the things we deal with. And so it's people watching for me. I'm not a dry academic at all. It's, it's about people. I, I think that comes across in your book, actually, your books, I should say. Um, I got one. I must tell you a funny story, but with lockdown. So, so I, was, I, I, I was called by um, Steve Coogan, you know, Alan Partridge, as it were. And he, he's bought the rights to one of my books. It's about, it's the true story of Charles II on the run after the Civil War and he hid in an oak tree and that's why so many pubs are called the Royal Oak, etc. So I was having this hour-long chat with Steve Coogan. He's a very interesting man, as you'd expect, very and very bright. And at the end, at the end, I, I, I assume he thinks I'm so, such a sort of inbred toff that I'm not like normal people. At the end, he said, by the way, I've been on television a bit myself. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I mean, I'm such an Alan Partridge fan. That if he gave me one line for any episode, I could do the next scene. Um, but he obviously just thought, you know, I just come from a different world. But that's not true. You know, I really, I, and I thought it was hilarious, really, that he thought that people might not know who he was. That's so funny. That is so mm. funny. But doing the research for something like that must be mammoth. Do you know, it's such hard work. It is. Because also, you're going to get reviewed by other historians, and they're very quick. If you, 
if you've got a fault anything it's not right so it's it's very difficult i each of my history books takes about three years which is about as long as a degree really yeah um but it takes about half an hour sorry half a year to get get everything in order in your mind and when i'm researching i I get you know those old fashioned lever arch files. Yeah, uh, I, I use them and I, I work out roughly what's going to be in which chapter, and then I do the research and put them all in there. And the research takes me about eighteen months, and then the writing takes about a year. Do you write longhand? Do you write on a typewriter? Do you write uh, or dictate? I, I, I do all of my notes by hand because I think that that goes in a bit more but that's incredibly time consuming I bet yeah. and then I and then I write uh, I just write on a on a computer uh, um, I feel so sorry for people in past generations who had to write longhand or whatever because I'm always moving bits around and it's obviously so easy to do on a computer oh, what, but can you can imagine, you imagine the, doing that or oh, the Brontes who must have done it with pen yes. and you know in a in a, a quill yeah. <laughs> with that, oh my goodness! But they came out with some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, they did all right, didn't they? But I, you know, I, I, I find it. I'm not really plugging it, but I find. Don't you find podcasts so much more interesting? Because you have to do okay. You have to do a bit of research, but then you're into it, aren't you? And, and then it's done. And I thought that's a really interesting yeah. dynamic. Well, what I've, I've, learned, I mean, I started doing the these podcasts my, the, that we're doing now as COVID happened. Yes. So it was a saviour for me because obviously we couldn't see any. I mean, I, Lee and I were together, so I wasn't on my own, so that was nice. But I couldn't see my kids or my grandkids because, you Crazy, know, we were it? all yeah. quite frightened at the beginning, weren't we? Definitely. Well, I was, and Lee and I were in a certain age group that we had to be careful. Yeah. So doing the podcast, it was lovely because, as you say, you have to do your research. I'm sure in your rabbit hole, yes. detectives, you have to yes. research what you're going to talk about. And yeah. all the people I've done, and I've done such a different mixture of people, and a lot yes. of them are close. When I started, I rang my mates because I was a bit scared and I thought, oh, I've never done this before, you know. And um, <laughs> so I rang Joanna Lumley and Lulu and Emma Thompson because I thought I'll, I'll yes. feel comfortable with them because I know them so well. Yes. But you still have to research them because even if it's a friend, you don't know everything they've done. That's and, so true, isn't it? And so it was lovely because it gave me a purpose and yes. we'd also just moved into a house down in Sussex. Um, oh, lovely. So that kept us kind of busy because it didn't need a lot of decorating, but it's an old, old house. And um, yes. actually part of that goes because we found a date on, on the back wall that says 1695. Isn't that great? I think, I don't think that's part of the house that we have now. I think right. that might have been just to... to Say that there was a house there. I would think. Yes, it doesn't. It could be, is that possible? A, a remaining part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or it it's, might, yeah, it might be. Before. Yeah, because then the main house is kind of Georgian and and was quite small, and then it had been added added on. You know, so we had we had all the unpacking of the boxes, and so that kind of kept us busy, along with all my research for the podcast. So actually, it was a saving grace. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, and yours is such a. I love, you know, it does with yours. It is, it is such a friendly tone. You know, I've got, 
I'm doing a couple more coming up and I just think, oh, what am I letting myself in for, you know? But I was, I was totally happy to come on oh, yours. Well, I, knew, thank you. I, I was thrilled like. that you were... I was a bit scared to ask you because I thought, oh, no, you won't want to do it. No, but... I'm absolutely happy to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just it's, just... it's just nice to chat to people and, and learn about what they're doing and what they're up to. And Well, you're a very good interviewer too because I've said things on this podcast that I've never said before. And it's... <laughs> I think it's... You know, people don't realise... If you get these really aggressive interviewers on TV or something, they just put people's backs up, don't they? they do. And it, they do. it's self-defeating because it you're on is, you're actually. on defensive, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've done I've done many of those, and there are people that you're so <laughs> waiting for them to throw the question at you, and, and yes. you just you just don't relax. It's horrible. Well, it kills the atmosphere for the listener or viewer as well. I think you I know think they, so, they they yeah. they know that there's a sort of battle going on underneath and that's not very fun for anyone really unless you're watching (laughs) question time or one of those shows i hate it do you know in the morning um i won't listen to any of those heavy hitting political radio shows because it's so stressful i I don't want that in my life i I want to listen to someone who's being fun or or nice (laughs) that's really listen with everything going on the last few years we we used to watch the 10 o'clock news before we went to bed. And when COVID happened, I said to Lynn, I I can't keep watching. So what we do now, we switched it. We watched the 6 o'clock news or 6.30, whatever it is. And then we watched, you know, dramas or documentaries are our favourite. Because it was just, I was going to bed so upset and stressed. And I mean, the whole world was, but I didn't need to listen to that before I went to bed. I agree. I think, you know, if you if you watch that and then go to sleep, it's going to it's gonna come into your dreams and turn them into nightmares, and you, you just don't need that, really. Absolutely not. When you were a correspondent for it, it was NBC, right? Yes. Were you, were you based in America, or were you, like, the correspondent abroad? I was very much the sort of junior correspondent, because I was very young, and I used to... I, I worked in 40 countries for them. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it was the most amazing thing, uh, you know, to go from university into that and travel the world and all over the place. And was it current current affairs you did or politics or what was no, it? No, it was more features, I think, would be right. So occasionally okay. I do something really um, political. I remember doing something on the rise of Muslim fundamentalism in Singapore, but that really wasn't my beat. Um, <laughs> I, I did things. I did the Cannes Film Festival or... Ooh, lovely. Um, yeah, or, or, or I did a series, 12-part series one year of documentaries called Great Houses of the World, and I travel around the world looking at these places. And I, I chose them, going back to something you said earlier, I insisted that the only thing they all had in common was that they were still occupied. And that is a story, you see, because otherwise you're just, you might as well be going around the British Museum. There's no, there's no, no. and all the owners were so different. You know, there were two sisters in Argentina who looked after this place, a lovely bloke, um, who, who had a vineyard with a beautiful old house in, in near Cape Town. And, and it was just, you know, just the story of them living there was more important than the house. Can you still view those? I hope not. <laughs> I, I don't know how good they were. <laughs> no, they sound absolutely fascinating. So what period was this? They were done on this? a tiny budget. Well, I think it was 95, 96, something like that. It was done on a shoestring, just one camera crew. But it was, it was great. Oh, I bet it was and, amazing. And, yeah. Absolutely yeah. amazing. 
Well, it's a, well, it's been so lovely talking to you. Tricky, I've loved it. I, I, I could go on forever. If ever anyone drops out, come back to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will. Well, I really enjoyed talking to Charles. It's so interesting. It must be amazing to be able to trace your family back that far. And it's extraordinary and lovely to hear those stories. If you're interested in the kind of Royal Link and things like that, I did have a lovely chat to Sarah Duchess of York last year, which you can find on my Tea with Twiggy podcast app. And also, I mentioned Lulu and Joanna Lumley and Emma Thompson. They're all there. If this is a first-time listener, do check them out because we have some fun chats. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Charles as much as I did. And I'll see you soon. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy, or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. just heard a stripped media production.